Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of What's Happening in Travel. This is episode number 82 and I'm Kerwin and I'm here with my buddy. Mr. And yeah, we're back. Of June. Uh, yes, Juneteenth. Um, all right. Which, if you're in the U.S., it's now officially a holiday. Um, so next year, you'll get full details because your company will probably give you a day off. It's an official federal holiday is what it is, um, which normally means that all federal offices are closed. But this year was kind of weird because it all came through at a later, at a later time. It won't so, be like... Uh, July 4th or Memorial Day or anything like that, right? It'll only uh, be like MLK Day or... Uh, how do right? they do what? It won't... Is it going to be everything shut like July 4th or and Memorial Day? Or is it just going to be like MLK Day? Where, you know, it depends on the state you're in. Um, and just the federal government will be closed and everything else will be open. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. I think it's because I, when I was reading something, it's a federal holiday, right? And it, when it's a federal holiday, it means that um, the federal buildings and stuff are closed, including the post office. But right. this time around, the post office um, they said they didn't have enough time. They didn't have enough time, so they are operating. Normally, it's on a Saturday, so they would get the Friday off, but that didn't happen. So I guess. And I think what they said they were going to do was they're going to give people a floating holiday um, mm. for this year, but next year they'll, yeah. I guess they'll quote unquote do it right. Um, but yeah, but it, it's it's good that they recognize they recognize the day. Yeah. Um, all, right. all right, so well, let's get started. Yes, we have a time constraint. Yes, let's jump into the airlines. And sorry, there's a little whining in the back if you hear that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's never perfect. It's really hot in Houston that I'm actually outside. And so you're hearing the lawn guys doing their work. <laughs> I'll try to cut it out as much as I can. Um, so let's talk about airlines. Our first story. Uh, well, before we jump into the first story, what's your background, Kusha? Well, yesterday on the 18th of June, uh, Boeing flew the MAX 10 737 variant for the first time. And this is different from all other Max variants in that it has a new type of uh, undercarriage, main undercarriage. And uh, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but I decided this was a nice picture of it. It doesn't really look that much longer than the Dash 9, the Max 9, but it is. So Yeah, it's probably the length of a 757, isn't it? I think it's a little shorter. So. Gotcha. All right, cool. So yeah, we'll have that story later. And I have, um, this is Hong Kong. Uh, many years ago, I was waiting for my flight to go somewhere. I don't know where it was at the time. And, um, but this the is The new Hong one. Kong. The new uh, airport. Yes. It, it, do, they still call, do they still call it the new airport? I mean, seriously, it's been a long time. <laughs> 20 years almost, right? Yeah, and I was actually there when they opened. Yeah, you took. I think you took one of the first flights I, out. Is that right? Exactly. We went on a Cathay with a seven four seven four hundred to London, and uh, so we were delayed because the caterers couldn't figure out where the plane was. <laughs> it was so chaotic that first day, but it was very, it was very cool. Then they they basically moved everything from the old airport to the new airport overnight. Yeah. So that was that. impressive. Yeah, that was very impressive. So, you know, if they were delayed a little bit, I'm okay with that. But so, no, that's this is Kaitak. Um, no, this is not Kaitak. Sorry. This is Cheplakok. Cheplakok, that's right. Thank you, Kusha. See, I'm still there. So, it's still in, in my mind, it's still the old airport. Because what we had done was we flew into the old airport and then we flew out of the new airport. So, it was actually quite good. Um, all right. So, our first story that we have is um and i use cathay because we have a cathay pacific story coming up so um american airlines virgin and raven alaska i thought raven went out of business 
No, they came back. Remember, we talked about this. Oh, okay. Uh, they and uh, joins United in committing to emerging air mobility sector. Arkashov. So this is this was a, a very different and interesting new segment of um, travel that appears to be taking hold, and it's these really small planes. Um, that are about four to eight passengers, but they are run electric on electric propulsion or on um, sustainable aviation fuel or SAFs. Now, these have a very limited range. Um, and I'm not sure how or why the airlines are investing so heavily in this sector. But um, clearly, I'm not getting the, the whole picture because to the best of my knowledge, United was the first because they signed up with this company called Archer Aviation for um, about 200 of these EVTOL, which is the electric propulsion vertical takeoff landing aircraft that are um, capable of holding four passengers in addition to the pilot. Um, that have a range of um, uh, between, how, how much is it? Um, oops, I've got so many numbers in my head. It's about 60 miles. Oh, so, okay. and about 150 miles per hour. So not, a, not very far at all, but they anticipate, at United at least, anticipates that it will have a lot of demand from cities like Hollywood um, and Manhattan in New York to Los Angeles and um, Newark or JFK or LaGuardia respectively. And so United was the first airline to my knowledge to really invest in this technology. So they would get, I guess, very rich executives or maybe not so rich people, travelers, would take these flights um, that are branded as United by, but run by partners, much like the regional aircraft, regional flight schedule in the US and transport them to um, the hub, the United hubs. So they would cut down on traffic and also on pollution. These are all electric aircraft. So, American Virgin Atlantic and this leasing company, this Ireland-based leasing company, Avalon, went a slightly different path from United last week, on the 10th, actually, of um, July. They announced um, a joint commitment to purchase close to a 1,000 of these vertical aerospace VAX-4 aircraft. Um, now, this is from uh, Bristol in the UK-based company called Vertical Aerospace. And they have a partnership with Honeywell uh, that currently supplies a lot of aircraft avionics. And they are also scheduled to supply the avionics for this new type of uh, EVTOR aircraft and from Rolls-Royce, which is um, uh, designing the propulsion systems for these aircraft. Um, they plan to take this company public and American Airlines has provisionally agreed to buy about 250 of these uh, planes, uh, which are a little more than fancy helicopters, if you will, uh, with a hundred options. Avalon committed to uh, about 400 in total. I remember Avalon is the biggest leasing company in the world. So they clearly anticipate a lot of future demand from other airlines. Um, so American Airlines plans to, to work with Vertical Aerospace to develop passenger operations with these um, aircraft and try to introduce these, and the, the keyword is try to introduce them into the US market. 
A virgin, on the other hand, would buy between 50 and 150 of these planes and fly out of the uh, London Heathrow, London Gatwick and Manchester hubs um, on routes of up to 120 miles uh, from these hubs. Now, how they're going to get the slots to do that at, for instance, Gatwick and Heathrow, I don't know, but um, I'm sure they'll manage somehow. So yeah. each of these aircraft is about four million. They'll probably US dollars. That rules, yeah. Yeah, but um, these aircraft are well. There's a prototype scheduled to be rolled out in um, July, followed by a first flight in September, and then what they're going to do is they're going to start tethered first flights um, later this year. I hadn't really heard of this, of what a tethered first flight was, but apparently it's extremely, it's an extremely standard procedure where um, the aircraft is under the control. It's never allowed to fly independently. It's always tethered to something. So um, it's actually held in place and not allowed to a lot of mobility on its own, but it's, typically used for helicopters and vertical takeoff landing aircraft to test their abilities to fly, at least initially. Yeah. So like to hover or to take off and then land. So it's all a very controlled testing environment. Mm -hmm. um, so as I said, Rolls-Royce is developing the electric propulsion um, and um, Honeywell is designing the avionics. They recently increased the range of these aircraft from uh, 100 to 120 miles, which is 110 kilometers to about 190 kilometers. And they increased the speed from 150 miles per hour to over 200 miles per hour, which is about 320 kilometers per hour. So this is quite different uh, from what United has gone for. Because remember, the range of the United order is about 60 miles. That's yeah. a big difference. But, but, um, so it'll but, be interesting to see which yeah. one works better or which is more suited to the, at least the US market. Well, they'll just so, improve the, the, the company that United is with. They'll just improve. Because, you know, I mean, the A350 that we see now is not right. the A350 they started with. <laughs> that's right yeah so but um um what i wanted to also mention is that raven alaska which actually went out of business last year but was reincarnated later la uh, late last year has announced that it's going a slightly different manner instead of the now remember this is an airline that is really or was really quite essential to Alaska, the interior parts of Alaska. So it operates both passenger and freight operations. And they have gone for um, ESTOL. So instead of vertical takeoff landing, it's short takeoff landing aircraft. And they've partnered with a California-based company called Airflow to um, operate 50 of their um, new aircraft, which haven't been really flown yet, for both freight and passenger operations. This is um, an aircraft that's been called the Model 200. So it's sort of like Tesla, yeah. their nomen nomenclature. So in contrast to the four passenger limits of um, the American Virgin and United orders, these will have between eight and 10 passenger seats and will be able to fly up to 500 miles, which is over 550 kilometers with about a 2000 pound payload, which is about 907 kilos. And the ability to take off and land with about 200 feet of runway, which is about 61 meters. So they've gone a completely different route because I would expect Alaska to have, uh, or at least to go for more vertical takeoff because of the terrain in Alaska, but clearly um, 
I don't have all the information because Raven wouldn't have more specific yeah. knowledge than I certainly would. Well, so well, th th those VSDOLs, they can still do, they can still go straight. It's, it's really, I think what they need is they need to be able to move things a little bit. Um, I mean, they're not going to land like in a, in a, in a silo or something. 200 feet is not much. Not much, but you know, so, still. But, yeah, it, it's enough that they need um, probably for the, I don't know. It's also a heavier aircraft. Yeah, which makes sense because they're going to have to carry stuff in the, in the bush country. They're really buying them for bush flying. Yes. So they're going to have two, two ranges and two types, two variants. Yeah. One uh, is a 500-pound payload, um, which would be the smaller one. Um, and the other variant would be a longer range and a oh, heavier okay. variant. And they're currently testing this in a Cessna 210, which is... Uh, a very, very popular private plane. Um, and they're testing the engine um, in that airframe. Um, they're going to have um, hybrid electric propulsion. So it's not going to be exclusively electric. And here's the, the, the kicker. The emissions are going to be about a 35% reduction in carbon dioxide emissions for these Raven Alaska aircraft. I thought they would have gone for all electric, so zero carbon emission, if you can call it that, because to create the batteries and to create the electricity, you're still using, um, you're still creating emissions. Right. But so. um, uh, the one thing about Raven's order is that the plans are calling for autonomous um, aircraft operations in the future. So that's very different from what. Uh, the airlines, yeah. American, Virgin, and United, and Avalon are going for. And it I just makes thought sense. it was it, it, interesting. It, yeah, and uh. the, um, that, that makes sense to Raven because it's bush country, and there are some places where, um, you know, they could use a drone. And uh, all, yeah. the, all yeah. they're doing is just bringing in stuff. Because there, there is a, um, I think it's somewhere in China, and even here, like... Um, uh, what's it? Amazon is testing drone, drone delivery. Delivery, yes, they are. Yeah. I believe and in Houston as well. Are they, they delivering pizzas? Yes. So I saw the pizza thing, but it wasn't a drone. It was that little Domino's machine thing. But I haven't seen it on the streets. I've only seen the commercial. Seen them, but Houston is one of the best markets. Um, yeah, because I'm pretty sure it's somewhere out in the suburbs where the Domino's is right by the right at the beginning of the suburb, and they're going into the thing because. Cross, I mean, if you see one of those weird things crossing the street, you're just going to run over it. <laughs> I wonder if people will try and steal the pizzas, but well, I'm being cynical. Uh, we hope not. Um, I just thought this was a very interesting article, and I, I'm not quite sure of the demand. Um, you know, for, to order 100 to 200 of these little planes? Yeah. Um. Is there really that much demand to move from, let's say, a city center to the airport? Yes, there is. Apparently, the airlines clearly know more. Yeah. Well, well, think about it, right? Today, what we do, we, jump, do. In a, we jump in our cars. So, Sorry, we're, our, right. our transmission is um, a little off. But um, today, we jump in our cars. But what they're saying is that they don't want us to jump in our cars. I mean, you can leave the car at home. And I think the idea that they're doing it, you can go by the, um, you know, by the, the strip mall because almost everyone lives close to a strip mall that they can walk to. Uh, it's just kind of how America is built, right? Or if not, you live next to the... Still going to strip malls? Yeah, well, Houston is full of them. <laughs> um, you know, or, or like I've been visiting small towns, you have a community center. Um, or you have a big parking lot somewhere. And so what they're doing is, and um, they just want people to um, get in these little planes and get to the airports rather than having to drive in. And it's also one of the ways that the airline can say, oh, you know, we're, we're gonna have zero emissions by 2050. Yes, that is part of it. So this is one, yeah. of, their, one of their thing. But yeah, I mean, uh, Uber has been working with Hyundai, but I think for some reason I hear that they're not anymore. 
Um, I've heard of that as well. <clears throat> uh, but, and also Sikorsky has been testing this for like two, three years. So this stuff is not new. And there's a, uh, PBS did a program about it. I don't know if you saw it. Um, no. Uh-uh. It was a program about all the electric, electric um, stuff that's out there. And there is quite a bit um, that's there. So this is good. I mean, it's just the next, it's just the next thing um, that's going to happen. They just figure it's going to be easier to try and it won't be expensive. It won't be just like the executives doing it. It'll be regular people like you and I doing it. Cause, because I mean, what, what airlines will do is like, they always do. It's like, for example, um, United has this thing with the bus in Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, is it Breckenridge? From Allentown to Newark. Well, they have it's that one in Pennsylvania. Yeah. That one has been there ever. forever. But they just did a new one, which is two two routes in Colorado, and they're using a bus for it. So they could use the the plane thing for that, right? And what you do is that you buy you buy one ticket. So you buy a ticket from Breckenridge. You can't buy a Breckenridge to Denver ticket. It just won't work. You have to buy a Breckenridge to like Houston, and then your then first leg is on the bus. Security though. They do. They, All that they, will have to be worked out. Uh, yeah, well, they do it before. So um, what they do, I think with the Breckenridge one, you clear uh, security at Breckenridge when you get on the bus and the bus actually goes all the way inside the airport. Okay. I know Because they have to take into account baggage and yeah, what well, about overweight people? They do, no, they do all that. They do all the weight and measures and everything. Because there'll be a station. You can't just get in a walk. You will have to have yeah. some kind of identification and stuff like that. If the place that you're leaving from don't have all that, like some of the places like Newark, when you do um, Allentown to Newark, um, you just walk right on the bus at the curb. So they don't drop you inside because... Um, okay. Right, that doesn't work, right? But when they, when they take your bag with this Breckenridge service, it actually goes... Um, your bag is checked all the way through. You never see your bag again until you get to your destination. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they don't have security, then you have to go through a different security when you get to the main airport. But if they do, then you're fine. And it'll just be one ticket. So you'll just buy one ticket from, um, I don't know, from downtown Houston to LA. And you'll for instance, in, in Manhattan, where is the space for these Oh, they, they do them at the, um, so you know Flyblade is in Manhattan, right? Yes, yeah. So they have two heliports um, on the east side and the west side of Manhattan, and that's where they take off from. So they, there's actually quite a bit of real estate in Manhattan that they um, they can use for these. Um, it, I guess so. Yeah. Plus there's also rooftops. Yeah, but then that creates its own set of problems. Noise but, and all that sort of thing. Well, they're 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 electric, so there is no noise. <laughs> no, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, except the noise of the propellers on the air, but you know, it'll just be like a wee thing. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's these planes of, are definitely not traditional. These aircraft. No, no, but it, it's it's the next thing, and we've had vertical takeoffs and landings forever, right? Uh, right. We just haven't had it commercially, although helicopters are vertical takeoffs on landing. So, yeah. uh, and of course, the military has the Harrier and then the Harrier now jump the F thirty fives. Yep, mm. but those are like a lot of noise, and they're not electric. <laughs> so, uh, but no, that's good. I'm, I'm glad the airlines are doing that. When did they say they're going to have this? Like, when can I go buy a ticket? Or is when they plan both of them. Both United and American Virgin uh, Avalon say they plan to introduce this yeah. into commercial service in 2024. So you know the funny thing, right? So on the one hand, United says, "Hey, uh, we're investing in um, um, you know clean air, blah 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 blah," and then the other is like, "We have supersonic." <laughs> And talk about that as well. Uh, yeah, the supersonic stuff is quite interesting. Um, all right, so the next item we have, uh, speaking of United, um, they're doing some advanced innovation through a new corporate venture. What are they doing now? 
So this, the first thing when I read this was that um, I thought United was taking a page out of JetBlue's book. Because okay. a few weeks or months ago, we talked about how JetBlue wanted to be more than just an airline. It wanted to be like um, uh, an entirely diversified company that catered to all sorts of needs of uh, customers. And now it looks like United is sort of following in the same path. And um, they just created on June 10th, again, uh, the same day, a new corporate venture called United Airlines Ventures. So what they want to do is they essentially, they wanted to invest in, as they call it, high potential, small to medium sized companies focused on sustainability, aerospace, and other innovative technologies that have the potential to influence the future of travel. And this of course is done to complement United's goal of uh, net zero carbon emissions by 2050 without relying on traditional carbon offsets, you know, where they invest in uh, like planting trees or something like that. So one of the first parts of that goal uh, and the agreements was to purchase these Archer aviation aircraft that we talked about earlier that were electric. Yeah. And then another is the agreement um, to purchase these 15 boom aerospace supersonic aircraft. Now remember, these are going to be running exclusively or they will have the potential to run exclusively on sustainable aviation fuel. So they're counting that as uh, zero emission aircraft, sure. but it's to be seen. I know. Super I don't quite buy that. Supersonic and biofuel. Hmm. <laughs> um, um, yes, these uh, boom overture aircraft, as they're called, are expected to be 100% sustainable um, aircraft. And uh, United is going to use its it's going to assist the company, companies with their expertise and financial support. So it's like a venture capital fund yeah. for emerging technologies. And I think that's a very different path to a lot of it, what a lot of airlines are doing. Like I can think of AirAsia in um, Malaysia, JetBlue, and uh, maybe British Airways, IAG, and now United. But so you know... Yeah, but you know, Delta has been doing that for a while, right? But they haven't been as vocal about it. Maybe you know how, well, it's, it, this is the side we're in, right? If you're not, but if, if, like, if I don't tell you I'm doing some good, you don't think I'm doing any good, right? You're right. Um, yeah, but Delta has always had a separate um, arm that does the refinery in Pennsylvania. Uh, right. they, have, they have that piece. Um, they have. Um, there's like a whole technological arm that has a whole bunch of stuff. Um, like they've been doing a lot of innovations with travel. Yeah. Uh, when I went to CES, they had a thing where um, that what they were testing was when you're walking through the airport, and I think they rolled it out in Detroit. When you look at the board, you will see your flight on the board. So instead of seeing all the other flights that you don't really care about, you really care about your flight because of how they've tagged your boarding pass that you have in your hand, you'll be able to see your flight information on the- Really? Yeah, the fits. Don't, wouldn't you see it anyway? Well, it's there, but with a whole bunch of other stuff on it. Okay. And people get confused. So the idea was that you really just care about your flight. Um, all the other stuff is there because that's how it's been. Um, and it's actually a very cool technology. I think I may have a video of it somewhere um, Do you see this on a CES. regular departure board or on your phone? It's a regular departure board. And the, and the funny thing was, um, if somebody else was standing next to you, they would see their information and you would see your information. Um, Sounds a little difficult to comprehend, but yeah, it, I thought it. so too until I actually, they gave, basically they, they gave you board, they give you board a pass and it's tagged somehow. And then as you move around the airport, the information that you have from the boarding pass 
is going to be transmitted on the on the thing. They are they are testing it in Detroit. That's where they said they were going to. So I'm going to shout and scream that the airline is following them and tra- tracking them and this and that. But so you don't have to use it. It's just if you don't want that thing because you 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 literally have to opt into it. Mm. Uh, in a sense, by them scanning your boarding pass and then they can do everything else they need to do. But the idea is to make your journey a little better as you go through the airport. So I say that to say that um, a lot of these airlines, they've been doing that stuff. Um, and I think probably Delta is, is the one that's been doing it probably longer because JetBlue came after. Um, mm. And it, it, it makes sense that they, that they do that. Um, <laughs> I guess it's it's a different way to spend the company's dollars, right? Yeah. Um, but I think it's a good thing. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a good thing. It's definitely a good thing to do. Um, all right. Let's see what's the next thing that we have. Um, and more United news. So I did see the story about uh, updating their employee appearance and. So one of the things with, with airlines is um, uniforms has been a thing. Like if, it, it probably not, I mean, people in the, in, the, in the US and developed countries don't really think about it as much, but in the developing countries, when you work for an airline, you are at the top of the food chain pretty much. And it's all about the uniform. It's all about how you look and everybody growing up, I want to be a pilot, I want to be a flight attendant because they want to wear the uniform. Very traditional. Very, very traditional, right? And as you can see, airline uniforms is a thing. And so, but lately, some of the airlines have been, well, not lately, I guess, you know, a few years now, they've been changing it, relaxing it. So you're not that dressed up anymore. But then something (laughs) is in the plane and you can't tell who the flight attendant is from the passengers. But anyway, (laughs) Kushu, tell us what United is saying about relaxing their dress codes. So uh, we don't have a lot of details, but United made an announcement this week, actually, that um, they want to try and be more inclusive. And we're going to get full details in July. And these rules will take effect in after September 1st. Um, but we can expect um, more inclusive policies around, as they call them, visible tattoos, nose piercings, hair, makeup, and nails. So in other words, they have a few pictures out where, um, you know, you can have, for instance, men with makeup and painted nails, men with earrings, uh, different types of hairstyles from braids to whatever, and um, also visible tattoos. Now, I know I'm possibly behind the times, but I do not like visible tattoos. I know you're going to disagree with me. <laughs> I just tattoos don't are like cool, them. For sure. No, they're not. Not in my book. As long as they have like United, HP stuff on them. <laughs> United is going to allow them. So they're going to be uh, relaxing these standards for unify, uniformed customer-facing employees like customer service representatives at the airport and flight attendants. Later this year, they're going to extend this to um, many other groups like pilots, ramp attenders, service employees, and so on and so forth. Um, United claims that these changes are intended to, as they say, reflect a more modernized look with inclusive standards that better permit freedom of gender expression so that employees can feel their best at work. I don't know if I would go that far, but there you have it. They're just doing the marketing thing. I think there need to be some standards, but maybe I'm just archaic. I mean, I don't think it's really archaic. It's like, if you, if, so I have a company and I have an image that I want my company to have. It's my company and this is the image. It's, I'm not discriminating against someone. I'm just saying that Comb your hair, right? Comb your hair, yes. yes that's that's what I'm saying. Now, wash your hair. That's what I'm saying. Um, because, I mean, you can have whatever hairstyle you want, but I want you to be clean. I don't want your, I want your clothes to look proper. 
I want your clothes to be ironed. Um, I don't want it to look like you just took it out of the suitcase. You just got up out of bed. Right. And came to I work. mean, wash your face. If you want to put makeup on, that's fine. Do what you want to do, but you need to be presentable. So in other words, when you come and you're serving me as a customer, as a, when you're serving a customer, I, you don't want your customer to be grossed out because you have a tattoo of a lion or, or something on your arm that the customer doesn't like. Huh? Or some hate symbol or whatever. Right. right. So some I, think, political... I, I think what's happening is they're opening themselves. I, I understand why they're doing it. Yes, I do too. Um, but they're opening but, up themselves up to like a but they're not saying why they're doing it. That's the problem, right? I think the reason why they're doing it is for gender equality, right? So what the, what the, what they're saying is that um, if you know if you're a male and you want because right now you, I don't think you can do that. If if you're a male and you're gay or whatever it is, you can't wear painted nails, even if you're not. I don't think that's allowed. And I think what they're saying is that we are because uh, you, you can see it when you fly. It's not allowed. And so what they're saying now, and, and they're, they're, what they're saying now is that we want to be more inclusive when it comes to gender equality. Uh, and because we're doing that, then it means that we have to allow a whole bunch of other things. But the problem that they're facing is that um, they are opening themselves up to more things because what's going to happen is that the customers are going to push back. I hope they do actually. Right, and I so really when the, when the customers do. push back and they're gonna, you're gonna get more complaints about people, you know, not wearing anything about you know you can you can have a pin, so people can wear different pins. So yeah. this is this is um, knowing how the corporate structure works. I think I understand what's driving it, but I don't think how they're implementing it is gonna work because you're just gonna you're just opening up yourself for a lot of complaints. Very difficult, though. It Once is very company, difficult. Company it, opens up like this. Where do you draw the line without irritating somebody? Absolutely, because you want to you want to give your employee as much flexibility to be themselves in your workplace. It will um, be abused, uh, right? But you also want to have the the. I mean, because you know, um, as an as an excellent employee, we have standards when it comes to how we have to dress together on a plane. When I started at Delta, we used to have a wear a jacket, a suit, and a tie. And the only place you could not wear the jacket or the tie is when you go to Hawaii. But you have to come back to the mainland. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. But you have to come back to the mainland. So when you um, so then you still had to bring your jacket and tie, unless you lived in like LA, you know, or Atlanta or something like that, right? So I always wore a tie, even. And this is how you could tell the airline employees in the olden days. Because they're going to Hawaii and they're in a tie and jacket. And <laughs> you're like, oh, non rep. So, um, but then, you know, they relaxed those standards. And once they relaxed those standards, people started abusing it, right? You, you could wear shorts and people are like, well, how short can my short be? You know, so you get, oh, you can wear a flip flop. And it's like, well, how, you know, I, I, so I don't know. I'm curious to know if this is going to be a North American thing, exclusive thing or if the Europeans and especially the Asians uh, follow suit. I don't think, I don't see the Asian airline t- t- opening up like this, no, but I, I could not, be wrong. I do not see that either. Um, I think a lot of things is regional and cultural, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So usually when you have these policies and the little thing, it says not applicable in Europe, not applicable in Asia or something like that. America even, I don't see them doing this. Uh, yeah, again, I mean, I, I understand United's position and I understand the pushback and I understand that they're getting input from their employees, you know, and um, I, and I, I know they're trying to, 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 to fix the transgender issue, but of course they're corporate, right? So they can't come out and say, this is what we're trying to fix. So instead of that, then they come out with this blanket thing that says, um, okay, here's what we're gonna do to make sure we're so we're more good with gender equality and all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah. you know, you brought up the hair thing, the unkempt hair. Mm-hmm. I can see that becoming a problem, and employees yeah. pushing back that no, this is my personal expression where I don't have to comb my hair. I right, can see exactly. that as being yeah, but 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 
Okay, so even if you don't comb your hair, it should be presentable. Right, but uh, what what defines presentable though? Right, for you and me, it could be one standard. For it doesn't else, look it unkempt. Because again, I'm, who defines that? Look, come on, Kisho. Don't you? I I hear you. I, I, I hear you. But given I, the way yes. this country is, I totally people hear what will saying. abuse yes. it. And and one other thing too, you know, I mean, as as a black person, um, we get discriminated against because of the hairstyles that that we have because lots of people have locks some people have natural hair um you know so and then we're forced into an accepted an acceptance box so people go and they perm their hair because people say your natural hair is unkempt and it's not it's my natural hair this is how i wear my hair right um, now, I do say that just like everything else, some people just go too far. And as a kid growing up, you know, your mother would be like, go wash your hair because you didn't. Or go take a shower because you didn't. You're like, oh, I'm this. And like, no, you didn't. You need to wash that hair. That hair is dirty. You need to go wash it. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, they're corporate, right? They can't say what, what, what they really want to say. So they come up with these weird wording of things that makes it difficult to enforce whatever they're trying to do because how do you enforce that right without somebody saying hey i'm black so that this is this is how my hair is you know or i'm, I'm whatever and you can't tell me how to wear my hair which is true um and also you don't have any policy to back it up that i think what they can do is whatever issues they're having now i think they should just solve that issue right so say, I mean, maybe say something like, um, if you are transgendered or you have a, or you're gender neutral, then here are some guidelines that we can give you. But what percentage of airline employees is that? It's probably it's, micro, minute, it's, right? Well, I mean, <clears throat> you, you, ha you have quite a large amount of gay population in the airline industry. Uh, because right. of flight attendants, right? right. Within that gay population. Um, so that's been that way for years, for decades. It, it has been, but I know there's a lot of people who are transgendered and they can't be themselves. They have to play, they have to play. A lot of people? Really? Uh, but but it's, it's enough that the airline, I, I really understand, I really appreciate what they're doing. It's enough that they're saying, look, we, we know you're an employee. We know you're having this problem. We're going to try to help you. But if we just if we just try to help you, others will say, well, why aren't you helping me either? Right. Yep. So and, and yep. it's not. And, and the reason why they, they're trying to fix the policy is, um, you know, you have Sikhs, you know, mm -hmm. who have to wear a turban. Right. You have um, other folks who um, have a lot of hair and, uh, you know, you have to you, you have to make because. You can't be serving food with people and have hair all over the place, right? It, it, it doesn't matter what your, what your religion is, what your ethnic background is. You, it, there's a cleansiness standard and you can't have hair all over the place. So I want to know what, what they're going to do about Muslims, especially flight, female flight attendants. Will they allow them to cover their heads? I don't know. Well, I think they we do now. See. I think they do now. Because yeah. then that opens them up to hate. From yeah, yeah. customers, right? Yeah, but I mean, but we ha we have. I mean, there are there are Muslim female flight attendants. And See, I've never been on a flight with, but I've never been on a Muslim. Well, yeah, no, I've never I mean, been on a flight with flight attendants that are covered. But that's another issue. Yeah, it, especially it, in the West, in the especially US. in the West, right? So, so, and that is kind of the problem that that you have, right? Where people have to hide their culture. Um, so they can quote unquote fit in um, because the customer is going to be scared if they go to check in for United flight and the person is wearing a hijab. It's like, well, that's their, that's their culture. Um, I mean, so you, you as a customer have to learn to accept that. And I think what United is trying to do is to say, we have all these people in our, in our sphere. How do we make them want to come to work and not have any issues with them? So I think, so it's, it's not, but you know, it, it's always weird with corporate, right? Whenever they use a particular statement to say something, but it's covering up a whole bunch of stuff. 
just come out and say it. Their intentions are good, but it's yeah. going to cause a whole it's series gonna, It's of... going to cause issues. And it's because you're not being forthright. You're using legal mumbo jumbo. Because when, I, when, when, I, when you read that thing, I'm like, yeah, the legal department fixed that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, I expected so yeah. to spend a few minutes on this, but no, no, I was but, wrong. But you know what's going to happen is that the other airlines are going to have to... Um, but are they, though? Are they... they? They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to do something very similar, because what will happen is that people go, "Okay, I'm gonna go work for United," uh, or, or they will say, "Well, United allowed their employee to do that. How come you can't allow me to do that?" And the unions are the same. It's the same unions. <laughs> so you know, you know that's gonna happen. Uh, so stay tuned for more. Um, let's fly across the ocean and talk about Finnair. Uh, personalizes business class fares. What's so personal about business class fares? I pay more, I don't pay more. Okay, so Emirates, as far as I know, was the first airline to start this. Yeah. Where they um, essentially um, segmented out their business fares, where you could buy a business class fare where you did not get lounge access or you did not get a pickup or a drop off um, to and from the airport. Which is the dumbest thing ever. Well, I don't know. It's a way to cut costs. Yeah, but that's what I want, though. I want business. I want a business class so I can get away from the regular people. And I want everything that it comes with. I don't want to have to pay extra. But anyway. Well, clearly we're in the minority because now Finnair has become the first European airline, again, that I know of, that has um, essentially uh, individualized all fares. So they're going to break out their fares into three classes. There's light, there's classic, and there's flex for both the cabins. Now the, the brand new uh, fare is the business light. So what that um, encompasses is that it is tailored for passengers who want to travel light and affordably while enjoying business class comfort, according to Finnair. So you're included a, a, a carry-on bag only. Now, what that means, I don't know. Dude, that's but stupid. That's stupid. Let's not check it. Wait, hold, on, like, hold on. But I just paid on. you a lot of money for business class. Not that much. What, is it different $70? Is that the difference between the... Gimmick? I don't know. They announced this June. For, it will be effective June 15th. Which Taking is just... off the cheese off the pizza. So... Here's the thing, reservation changes, refunds, airport priority services, lounge access and onboard internet are not included. All right, so hold on, Krisha. So this is the problem we talked about with the nice, nicer and nicest fares, right? Yes. Is that you just comp- you make something that's so simple, complicated. Complicated, yes. And then the, the people who have to um, enforce it are the gate agents. And the flight and attendants, the flight attendants. And, yes. and the check-in agent. So what you've done is, that, so how are you, how are you going to know that, oh, Kushro, uh, is that your bag? Uh, did, did you, uh, are you on the cheap business fare? And when I'm on the expensive business fare, and now you're discriminating, you're treating me differently and I'm sitting right next to you. Yep. And how are they going to prevent, because normally internet is free in business class. They do, it by seat number. they do it by seat number. You have to sign in with your seat number. An additional level of complexity, right? Yeah. Well, they probably already have that. Oh, the systems come with that. So when you sign in, it knows. Okay. So what happens when you switch seats? Uh, you don't switch seats. Then, then you're going to have to call the flight attendant and say, uh, yes. oh, I'm now sitting in 4A instead of 4D. And, and it's even better, right? Maybe the person was sitting in 4D didn't make the flight. It gets complex. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. Okay, so that's the the light. So it works in both cabins. But as I said, for business class, this is a new fare. The classic um, is, uh, according to Finnair, the most popular option. Uh, it will allow all date changes and will include one piece of checked baggage. In contrast to the light. Um, customers can make travel date changes flexibly, but they still have to pay the fare difference between the original and the new fare, which makes sense. 
um, refunds are not possible uh, if the customer cancels the reservation. But what Finair did not say is that, will you get a credit? A refund is different from a credit. So they haven't specified that. You better give me a credit or I'm calling Amex. <laughs> Who will give me a credit anyway? <laughs> the highest level is called flex, uh, which is, according to Finair, fully flexible and refundable uh, in their ticketing options. Uh, when you change your travel dates, again, you only have to pay the fare difference between the original and the new tickets. And if the customer cancels a ticket, your fare will be refunded. These fares, these flex tickets, will include checked baggage, advanced seat reservation, but it does not include airport priority services um, and uh, any sort of like lounge access and all that. Because the only thing you have to do with the new Finair system is select your um, cabin of service or flight and um, your what sort of flexibility you need for reservation changes. Everything else is an add-on, which I think is going to complicate the booking experience a little bit, but clearly Finesse is a marketing and a revenue opportunity here. Um, no, it's not clear. They think it's going to work, but it's actually going to backfire. Well, I haven't heard anything negative about Emirates and they started this a while ago. It was COVID, right? nobody was flying. Because um, right after they started it, yeah, it was right. COVID. So nobody was flying. Um, it, and I, I know that Tim Clark was, um, he's the CEO of Emirates. He was the one that came up with that at one of those, um, was it ITV Berlin or something like that. I, I understand that airlines need to make money. I totally get that. But stop complicating things. Stop coming up with these ridiculous things that you guys sit there and think it sounds good. But then when you try to, because from an from a implementation standpoint, that's a nightmare. From an yes. enforcement standpoint, that's a nightmare. And from an employee perspective, it's yes. a huge headache. It's a huge headache. So yes, you're making, you're like, oh, this is a great idea. We just made a lot of money, but then you've pissed off the customer because it took them forever to try to book a ticket. They want to make a change. They can't do it. They have to call because you don't have the systems online to handle it just yet. And they have to wait because they, they, the customer service lines are, are booked. They're, so it's just like a string of things just because you wanted to make more money. So one of the things when I worked for the airlines is that we don't, they always come up with these ideas. And then it was my job to think of how the customer thinks. And you, and you, you always have to push back because you're doing one thing and it's fine and dandy, but the customers are like, this is- On a theoretical viewpoint. From yes. a, um, these decisions were probably made by MBAs who have no clue None. about how the real world works. None, they pay the $20 for the tickets. Level. They, they just go the cheapest fear they take and that's it. And then they complain about it and post on social media. You just do not understand how customers actually do things. So anyway, I hate to be Sergeant Major here, but we have to move on. I know, I know. Well, actually it looks like we can only do the last one because we're not gonna be able to, you know, we have like three more topics and there are big topics, but we have one more in this category. So, um, but I'm still annoyed at Finair because it's like, oh, Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, airline. Stop making it so complicated for everyone, including your own employees. Their view, they're simplifying things. So there's no, a fundamental not. difference in. You went rationale. from one fair to three fares. How is that simplifying it? Well, it's not really one fair, right? Well, I mean, you know what I mean. Well, you had the full fare or the discounted fare. That was it. So. It's complex, uh, and and th this is why we have problems in the airline industry, and why uh, people hate the airlines. Yes, after I mean, hate the airlines because I I I mean we're in the business and we're like, okay, I get why you're doing it, but why are you doing it? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, all right, one more story, and then we're done because we have to uh, wrap up. Uh, Okay, South Korean flights to nowhere proved to be a gold mine for duty-free goods. <laughs> uh, 
That's pretty funny. This actually. was in the in the Korea Herald, which is uh-huh. a newspaper in South Korea, in uh-huh. June, on June fourteenth. Again, a very interesting article and very very typical of Asia, because to me personally, duty free is a complete ripoff. It is. But, um, but the Koreans love their duty free. The Asians, the Asians, they love their duty free, and it's not just the Asians, right? Because even in other parts of the world. Um, duty free is a big deal to them. It's a big deal. I mean, people so, people like to. It, so even at airports, for sure. As soon as you go through the international uh, securities yeah. and all that, you can't get anywhere unless you walk through duty free. Every single airport. It's yes, just big even business on arrival. It's and it's good. People don't think. People just don't think that. Oh, really? I just paid thirty bucks. Ooh, I saved a pound or I saved a dollar. It's like no, you didn't. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> so, um, here's a question for you. I I know we've been talking about these uh, flights to nowhere. Yeah. Um, that mostly the Asian airlines have been doing last year to just try and raise a little bit of revenue. So, can you guess how many flights to nowhere operated um, last year until May this year in South Korea oh, alone? In South Korea. Um... Well, since, we're guess? To, since they're trying to sell duty free, I want to say about 300. No, it was about 150. Oh, wow. Actually, okay. 152 between, Dece- between December and uh, May. They're but you know, you may be right. You may be right because it did not include any information for 2020 because December 2020 is really. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So this was an article that was published. Um, with information from the Korea Customs Service. Um, I thought it was mainly um, uh, Korean Air and Asiana that operated these, but Air Busan, Jeju Air, and Jin Air, which yeah. are the, the LCCs of South Korea, they operated about 33 to 35 of these flights to nowhere. Um, the average occupancy against so the load factor between December and January and March of, the, of sorry, May of this year was about 73 and a half percent and more than three times the average load factor, if you will, for international flights. So these were all flights that took off from South Korea, flew internationally and landed again back in the original airport in South Korea. So, um, so what's international? Because they flew to Japan and back? They flew over Japan, oh, flew okay. over Taiwan, flew over neighboring countries. Gotcha. You know, like okay. Mount Fuji, for instance. Yeah, yeah. In uh, Japan. So passengers on these flights to nowhere, they purchased about um, 20 and a half million US dollars in duty-free items, of which... Um, the average purchase on each of these flights was 1200 almost 1300 US dollars which is wow. a heck of a lot the um, average purchase what are they buying well cosmetics so uh, that makes me think were most of these purchasers were most of these flyers women probably is or the men unlikely. Trying to, the men trying to trying get to them please that yeah so cosmetics was the most popular at about five and a half million US dollars. Bags, and these were mainly handbags at um, about three and, a, three and a half million US dollars and perfumes at about 2.2 million US dollars. Um, the, you are allowed 600 US dollars per person at um, uh, Korean customs arrivals but 7,266 passengers bought uh, items that were beyond that limit. And out of those 7,266 passengers, 7,244 declared them voluntarily, which is really quite remarkable. Yeah, most people would like to, would probably sneak it through, try to sneak it through. That's not how the Asians work. (laughs) Right. And, and so, also, Kisha, remember that um, <laughs> Korean airline, because this is special, right? So uh, normally for duty-free, 
you have to leave the country and that's why there's no duty because the product is consumed outside the country. But now it's not- Purchased, cons- purchased. Uh, well- Not, not consumed, okay, right? Purchased. Because you're con- yeah. Well, you've, but you've, you've purchased it and you've taken it out of the country. So, so, so theoretically, you're not using it in the country because the flight is leaving uh, Seoul to, to say Japan, right? So you can take it into Japan, whatever thing they have, but now um, you're bringing it back into the country because the flight came back into the country. So the government knows what you bought because the airline <laughs> told them what you bought. <laughs> so. But I think that's remarkable. Uh, that's pretty funny that yeah that's actually that's actually quite good i mean i so at yeah. least somebody made money the so. only thing i don't understand though is so the whole idea is duty-free there's no duty that you're paying it because it's being bought and consumed outside the country because that's the whole idea behind it so there must have been an exemption uh, I mean, it has to be because it, you're consuming it in the country that you bought it, and that's not how you did. That's not that's whole. That's that's anti-duty free. <laughs> they did not specify that. Uh, but so I'm pretty sure there's something in there. I said, look, we need to make some money. How how do we how do we? Because customers got their tax credit, right? Because that's part of the yeah, uh, duty yeah. free experience. Yeah. But then. But, um, the goods was consumed in the country. So that's the, that's the thing. I guess we're a little bit spoiled in the US because we have such lower prices, I guess, compared to other parts of the world. Yeah, but maybe um, they did it like the arrival stuff, but when you get, when you get to the UK and you buy duty-free on arrival. Yeah, I don't so know. Or if it was on departure. It's probably out of the same. That's Korea. It could yeah. be both, right? Because um, remember, when you leave, you pass through a duty-free shop, and when you arrive, you pass through a duty-free. So shop. you can buy again, but then, you, but then you would have bought all this stuff already on the plane. Uh, I, and I don't see. Think- I don't know if they. I don't know if they had them on sale on on the aircraft because the aircraft it's very limited, right, and how much you can carry. Yeah. So 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 which means they must have had it in the arrival lounge when you got back, or the or departure, the departure when you go. So, so in, in the case of Finnair with your one carry-on bag, how do they handle that? <laughs> do I, am I going to pay, you know, my fear is a, a hundred bucks and then I pay $500 for all the extra stuff that I have? <laughs> I, and that on that Finnair topic, they're going to introduce this on their long-haul routes as well. Of course, because that's where they make the most money, right? Yeah. So I don't know how that's going to work out, but we will see. See, I wanted to fly Finnair, but now I'm like, I don't think so anymore. Because I'm from the A350 yet. So, um, all right. So, I, anyway, I, I had the email address for the operations guy. I met him at a conference. I said, dude, really? Explain this to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. So, do we have to yeah, put because, this to bed? Yeah, because we don't have enough time to. Uh, the next one is we have three more topics, and it's not going to take 15 minutes. <laughs> And I really thought we would be done in like 45 minutes with everything. Because you really know, I was wrong. You know that never happens. Um, you know, that would miss the mouthpiece here. So you know what's funny? My sister called me up the other day and she said, um, this is a short call. An hour later, we got off the phone. <laughs> so yeah, we are, we are, we are um, my uncle the same way. He's a, he's a, he's a mouthy one. So clearly, Apple does not fall far from the tree. Not at all. It's right next to the tree. <laughs> no, on the other hand, my dad is not mouthy, except when I when he and I are talking. It's it's quite funny, but who knows? Um, all right. So, so I guess um, we can talk about this next week. Yes. Yes. So we'll yeah we will continue with the we have some aircraft stuff, but we couldn't get to it. Because somebody has to go somewhere in like 15 minutes. <laughs> um, but thank you. So I, that was it for the um, the Korean one, right? Yes. Okay. No, is this is this is this only Korean airline or it's both Asian and Korean? No, it's every every South Korean airline. Oh wow. Okay. So what did they do for? Oh, I guess you can't. Uh, okay. All right. Um, all right, great. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, clearly, we had way too much fun on, on this episode. 
which is episode 82 on Saturday, June 19. So now we're 18 episodes from 100. Um, the, the podcast program is broken on the website and I'm trying to get my developer to fix it. So um, you, you can still listen to the podcast on your podcast programs and you can still download it from, um, uh, what's it called, Buzz, Buzzsprout. So I leave a link in the drop down so you can, uh, in, the, in the show notes so you can read those. But uh, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Um, I'm Kerwin and here with my buddy. Sure. And we Thank are you signing for listening. Off for episode 82.